guys. Welcome back to Where the Map Turned Blue podcast. We are in the studio here with Joe Coonrad and uh, Preston Moeller, who is a charter captain on the Destin Harbor. How's it going, guys? Good morning. What's up? But uh, we we wanted to invite Preston on this podcast. He has been a good friend of mine for the past probably two years yeah i would say so since we first met we we had lunch and then we kind of just took it from there but we wanted to invite preston on he's one of the well-known captains here on the harbor um but preston why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself where you grew up and how you got into fishing yeah yeah well thanks for having me guys i really appreciate it i've been looking looking forward to this um I, I guess I got started like everybody, you know, you hear, oh, I started at four or five years old. Really, I mean, that's kind of where it all begins is a passion, you know, but I grew up in uh, Weston, Florida, which is basically Fort Lauderdale. It's just outside of Fort Lauderdale. Um, pe- really good peacock bass fishing, Oscar fish, some of the exotic fish, freshwater species that a normal, you know, 10 year old can, can walk down the road and fish out of a canal. That's kind of how I grew up. but. Uh, I lived in Weston until I was uh, 14, I think, and then my dad switched jobs, and we actually had a huge culture shock, moved to central Alabama, Montgomery. Um, so I was landlocked, and uh, that was a, just a big change, but I, I, I spent my high school years there, and then went to Auburn, um, and then me and some fraternity brothers moved to Destin in 2006, just doing beach services stuff. Um, and then I started a little kayak fishing during that summer and they all went back to Auburn. I, I just never, I never went back. <laughs> I stayed. So it sounds like just something Joe actually wanted to do. He, every <laughs> yeah. summer he came to Destin, he's like, I think I'm going to stay here. And then his dad's like, no, you're going back. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly uh, how it was. My dad was like, look, I was the oldest of four boys. So they were trying to make an example out of me, you know, but your college is paid for. Uh, we'll even send you to med school. Whatever you want to do, um, if you if you stay in school, I'm like, Dad, I don't I don't want to be a doctor. You know? <laughs> I want to fish. <laughs> I want to fish. They're like, all right, well, your truck's for sale. <laughs> you know, and they did. They sold my truck. They didn't pay my cell phone bill, and I was 19. You know, so I was. I, that even made me, you know, want it more. You know, like I was I was all in at that point. So it worked out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I just graduated, but I was I was down here pretty much every weekend, <laughs> yeah. back and forth from Atlanta. But same idea. I mean, yeah, man, just being being addicted to it, you know. And 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 back then, Destin was it wasn't really discovered, you know. Like in the early mid two thousands, uh, it was still somewhat of a sleepy fishing town. It, it changed drastically over the past six years, but um, it still is an amazing place. Yeah, what. You know, as you spent time in South Florida in your childhood, mm-hmm. what's like your best memory out on the water when you were down in Weston? Um, you know, where we lived was smack dab in the middle of the Everglades. And if you look at Weston on the map, like it, it literally looks like the Everglades in this one little town that's just kind of nestled in the canals. And so like my best memories were just navigating those canals on foot, you know, just... Uh, there'd be a a dozen alligators over here you know to avoid that spot you know the next morning but like you would find the craziest little uh just little tiny ditches that would hold these massive peacock bass you know and very aggressive fish and i just got addicted to that and i remember 
like running home when I caught my first one and uh, showing my mom, you know, and I have a picture of, and I had a broken rod, you know, <laughs> the rod tip was messed up. My, my bullet weight, you know, how it's supposed to go over the worm and make it real oh, nice yeah. and streamlined. It was backwards, you know, <laughs> like nothing was correct, but I was figuring it out on my own, you know? And, and I think like when I look back on like my early fishing days, that was definitely like my best memories, like peacock bass fishing. Did you have a moment down there where, you were kind of sketched out. Yeah, I did actually. Uh, my, um, <laughs> I had begged my parents for a John boat for for forever, and they were like, "We're not gonna send you out there. You know, ten years old on a John boat. You know, we, we don't know like where these canals lead and stuff." And it was big water. I mean, you can get lost in the Everglades, and and for some odd reason, my mom settled on a on an inflatable, you know, like the, <laughs> the two person inflatables. And, uh, I'm like, there's no, this is way more dangerous than a John boat, you know, but I did, I went out on this thing and by myself. And I remember the wind blew me across the, the canals, like the, the length of a football field, but on the other side was a different neighborhood. And like, you couldn't just walk back. It would take forever. You know, like the way that the that Weston is set up, that was a sketchy, I mean, there, there's alligators in there and water moccasins. And that was, I remember being like, okay, I, this is, I don't have a motor or anything. Like, I'm at the mercy of the wind to get back. You just had the, uh, the faith in your little arms, yeah. I guess. Yeah, the little, little uh, Toys R Us yellow and blue paddle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> On the gator proof. On the gator proof and inflatable. Yeah. It, and, it, it was crazy. And so you had uh, this move to middle of Alabama mm -hmm. you know what was going through your head at the time as a kid when you're like all right mom and dad are moving to yeah a place that I honestly have no idea how to fish or mm -hmm. anything how did you figure that all out well luckily my mom's parents lived there so we had we had visited quite often you know and we um had some really good memories hunting there in, in Alabama and uh so I was looking forward to uh, that part of it, you know, uh, getting into more of the hunting scene. And but I just quickly realized that that just wasn't really me, you know. Um, I could, I do like to bird hunt still, but um, like deer hunting and stuff like that, I would still find myself, you know, even in the middle of deer season, you know, walking on somebody's property with my rod and reel trying to catch a bass. You know, that's just always been been my and still is. I still love to bass fish. Yeah. still do yeah i can i can relate to that too i'm sure joe can as well where you know, my dad would go out to the deer stand we'd be at the hunting camp and he's taking my brothers out in the morning you know they're waking up before the sunlight well he would drop my brother off at a tree stand he dropped my other brother off at you know a nice blind and then he'd drop my little butt off at the pond. Because yeah. <laughs> I just uh -huh. couldn't sit still if there were, you know, five-pound bass mm -hmm. in, the, in the pond. I mean, you, you might as well just leave me there all day. But he, as sure. he made his ways around to pick everybody up, he picked me up from the pond. <laughs> Probably last, too. <laughs> Probably the last one to get picked up. Yeah. So That's awesome. I, yeah. I can imagine that. And we, it, deer hunting just never... Never got, I never got the itch. Uh-uh, me either. But never I did. I will say duck hunting, turkey hunting, I, I could definitely do that. I heard you say bird hunting. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I love to, uh, 
to duck hunt and, and dove hunt even. I love a good dove hunt, you know, who doesn't? For sure. Grow up in the in the South, you know, on a typical Sunday afternoon, that's just kind of what you're going to do this time of year. But And I've got great memories dove hunting. Um, but I can't turkey hunt anymore because it overlaps Kobe season. So <laughs> I guess uh, if the Kobe ever show back up, you know, we'll we'll make something of it. But we'll see, I guess. Yeah, now, now the turkey woods are inundated if that's the right way to say the word with Kobe a fisherman yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny isn't it because they, they, the guys used to chase Kobe are now thinking yeah. alright they're not showing up we're we're gonna go shoot some turkeys because <laughs> yeah. you, you gotta kill something in the spring right uh, you gotta scratch that itch yep gotta, sure. gotta and, and as you uh, you went to college at Auburn and were y'all fraternity brothers down here just for a summertime trip mm-hmm. what what was that decision so, like when y'all sat around and you're like, all right, we're going to move to this city that's sparsely populated. I mean, it's a little sleepy beach town. Right. What, what was it, that it thought was, process? It was really, really tough, honestly. I mean, the fraternity that I was in was um, an agriculture fraternity. So it was a bunch of farmers, kids and uh, horticulturists and, and people just involved with the outdoors. So when we moved down here, it was just the typical college student job you know running beach chairs for for sandestin and uh what we realized is that there was other schools doing the same thing and in fact they had this whole apartment complex that was just uh like h2b students um and interns from Ole miss michigan auburn alabama and uh we just had the time of our lives and i just started this taking the hotel guest kayak fishing and realized that I was making more money doing that than I was hauling these umbrellas back and forth, you know? And uh, I remember it was time for everybody to go back to school. And I remember just having this like, just like deep feeling, you know, just like this almost, I almost felt sick. You know, I was like, I don't want to go back to school. I just don't want to. I know that's what everybody does. And it's probably the right thing to do, you know, but I just wanted to try it out, you know? And, And I remember having multiple conversations with my parents and they're like, you know, you're doing what, you know, you're going to, you're going to do what you're going to take these people kayak fishing, you know, in the Gulf, which is where we're taking them, you know? And I was like, I just want to, I just want to try it out. And they were just, we're not having it. You know, me and my, my mom and dad are really close. You, you, y'all have met them, but, um, we're really close, but so their opinion always mattered to me a lot, you know? And when they weren't happy, it made that decision a little more tough, but, I've always kind of just been a going against the grain type person and just taking a little more risk than the average, my average peer, I would say, you know, where they all went to school and they all have an office job type deal. Now, now they fish with me, you know, <laughs> which is, which is cool. You yeah. know, you're the black sheep of the, the... I, something like that. Yeah. It just, uh, I don't know. You live one life. And so like, let's, let's go, let's try it out. If it doesn't work. School's always there. You know? Yeah. And when you when you made that decision, did you have a backup plan? Mm. <laughs> no backup plan. <laughs> no, no back I think that's what made it me want it more, you know. I just didn't have a backup plan. I mean, what else is there to do? And in Destin you, you normally have a job ar- around tourism, whether it's the food industry or service or entertainment, you know, it's it's it, to me, it was just fishing. You know, I wanted I wanted to share my passion with with uh, with others. Mm-hmm. And that that first charter service was out of Sandestin. 
uh, it was, we didn't like operate out of Sandestin, but I was taking uh, the hotel guests that I befriended, you know, I was taking them if they wanted to. And we did not like, I wasn't running doubles every day, you know, it was just a few a week. And it was a lot of work. I mean, we had the Hobie kayaks, the kind that you pedal with the Mirage Drive. Yeah. And they were sweet. I mean, I learned more about fishing on those than I ever did off of a boat because you're just hypersensitive to your surroundings. And like when there's a little bit of current, you really feel the current, you know, <laughs> or if you catch a big fish, you're getting towed around. But it was, it was, uh, it ended up being a liability with the customers were on their own vessel with all of my fishing stuff, you know? And so like they'd flip all the time. <laughs> like it, it was gonna happen, they are gonna flip. And I would show them like how to safely flip, you know, like how to hold onto the back of the kayak when you're coming back into the surf. And um, I just lost so much tackle, even the stuff that was tethered, I lost a couple of mirage drives and, um, but the whole business ran off Gatorade. That was my overhead. It was you know, no fuel costs, no insurance costs, but Y'all know how thick this sand is over here and toting those kayaks, multiple <laughs> kayaks up and down the sand with ice and all that was, it was just a lot. But it gets to you. It gets to you. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And, yeah. and to get, to give our viewers a picture of what our beaches are like, you're essentially walking through flower. A, yes. And you are dragging stuff this isn't mm -hmm. you know this isn't texas this isn't you know the east coast of the united states where the sand you know the tide comes in compact the sand mm -hmm. and then it goes back out i mean this is true hard work dragging it these is. things up and down yeah and we even had the big inflatable like uh wheels that that hobie makes and they helped but they didn't make it to where it was <laughs> like just wasn't a, easy. a dream to tote them down you know how, but, did, uh, how many fishable days are there kayak fishing? Um, you could fish just about any day you could on a boat, honestly. Um, the biggest thing was just the surf. If you can get past the surf, it didn't matter if it was white capping out there. Believe it or not, the kayak, you know, instead of like stuffing your bow and like landing hard, the kayak just kind of just crawls over it. You know, it was intimidating at first if that's never, you've never seen that before, but um, the surf is the main thing. If there was comers um, coming back in to the the beach, you're you're like I told, said earlier, you're gonna flip. You, you got to get out of it. And what we would do is we would hop out, and then you just hold onto the back of the kayak mm -hmm. with your two hands, like on the T T handle back there, and you would be a ballast weight, and you just let the let it drag you in. Would be the, but nobody could get it. I mean. We do, what do we do? You know, they're yelling at you from a football field away, like scared white knuckle. I'm like, I don't, it's just too late now. You know, get to the beach. Yeah. And I have this vivid memory in college of uh, we would kayak shark bait off. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on the East Coast. So oh, yeah. The, the, the waves aren't as choppy. So they're not like really coming at you like on the golf. And I got right before the breakers, and I'm I was doing what Preston said. You kind of jump off the kayak before they start breaking, and really just what I guess what is it holding the back? Yeah, you're just a ballast weight is what you are, like a drone parachute, you know? Yeah, like a drift sock. So I I like jumped off the kayak, but I was wearing my Under Armour compression short, and there was a 
I really don't even know what it is to this day, but it was something that pierced my compression short. And I was hanging off the oh back of the kayak. <laughs> you got all, all my friends are up on the beach, like waiting for me to get back. And you're shark fishing, right? We're shark fishing. <laughs> I just dumped a bunch of blood and bait. Oh and uh, I'm like sitting there hanging off the back of my kayak. And I'm like, hey, help me. And eventually I just had to get butt naked. Oh <laughs> Did it caught you? Something caught you on the bottom? The, the kayak caught my shorts. Oh, so it was pulling your shorts. Okay. Yeah, the, the kayak pulling my shorts up. I'm hanging Gosh. upside down on this kayak. Was it nighttime? Um, it was sunset, so yeah. it wasn't completely nighttime. But you didn't I didn't want to be in the water. I did not want to be in the water at that time. Yeah. And uh, we we I definitely learned my lesson. I stopped wearing underwear after that. I was, <laughs> I was full, full commando anytime I had to kayak. Well, what, what ended up? What was it that caught your your underwear? Because you, you know, on some of the cheap kayaks that um, maybe you get from Academy or something, they they've got these screws that are like like it's basically screwed in, and there may be a little tiny cleat to you know hook something oh, to. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, mm -hmm. So as I jumped off, like somehow my compression shorts went under that cleat oh yeah it wasn't coming off <laughs> no and it just it just ripped so it, it was definitely a um a sketchy situation for myself at least <laughs> but you know going out of the golf with customers how do you teach them what's what's the beginning like when um, you're just getting ready to to do it i'm sure people weren't that wasn't the norm i mean it wasn't the norm and you know and that's really the kind of the Achilles heel of it all is uh, you just can't teach somebody that. And, and what I learned is people weren't chartering me on kayaks to go out there and kill a bunch of fish. It was for the experience. And I had to kind of reinvent how I was going to approach my business. You know, it's more about enlivening the senses, you know, just like smelling the salt air, being out there on a, you know, there's no engine rumbling in the background it's very peaceful and that's what people wanted is uh and everybody's familiar with a kayak you know everybody's been on the kayak before so i think that's what what people you know that plus catching a fish or two would, would be what people would want so i didn't really have to the, the the hardest part like teaching moment for me is like mm -hmm. when they would lose a lure and they didn't know how to tie a knot you know and i'm <laughs> I'm already dealing with little Johnny over here who's, you know, he's throwing up or something, you know, and then his dad's over here, doesn't know how to tie a knot. And then, you know, Susie's got a red snapper flop around in the kayak. <laughs> so that's like, you know, I was like, oh gosh, like, look, everybody come over here. You just, uh, you weren't very hands-on. So you hopefully had a customer who had, who knew something or a thing or two about taking a fish off the hook or retying his, his, rig um but yeah sometimes it was just hopeless <laughs> it really was yeah you you're trying to get the group together you might as well have like a tether them all exactly and yeah so you, you just gotta help one kayak at a time mm -hmm. i'm sure the current you know pull people mm -hmm. apart and how did you know where you were going i went to the same spot every day um i went out to the miss louise uh tug every day and so like we would i caught my first tarp in there my first cobia uh you know red snappers i've got pictures of me just you know grinning ear to ear on all my first you know off of a kayak but 
I would launch right there um, in Crystal Beach off uh, Barracuda Street. I had a deal with the, the lady that owned the Old Pier Motel. Um, she said I could park my little Jeep and my kayak trailer at her at her place as long as we painted her. Uh, she liked pelicans, so if we painted her a pelican picture every year, she would let me stay there. And so and so my wife Hadley is a uh, artist, and so she would do that, you know. And so like I would go to Miss Louise every day, 0.62 miles from the beach every day, you know. And I could tell my customers exactly what to expect, and it was like just far enough out that we're you know deep sea and. Um, but it was also far enough out to troll on the way and troll on the way back and bottom fish. It was perfect, perfect little spot. The sea blaster would almost run you over every, every sunset. You know, <laughs> he stopped me one day. I was out by myself and he had just a boat. You know how that thing holds like a hundred people oh, yeah. <clears throat> and they're like toasted by the time they get to me, you know, <laughs> and I can hear this guy coming. Cause you know, like I said, it's quiet on a kayak. All you hear is the water lapping up against the the hole and I hear the, the sea blaster, you know, I can see the diesel smoke behind him. I'm like, all right, well, hopefully he sees me. And I see him slow down. And imagine, you know, you're on a little kayak in the Gulf and this massive, I don't know how big that thing is. What, it's 70 feet? 70, yeah, <laughs> it's a giant. And it's full of a hundred people and they're all, you know, the music's going and, I'm, and I look up and, <laughs> and you know, all walks are on this boat. They think I'm lost. And the captain's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine, man. I was like, I'm out here every day. He was like, all right, well, have a good one, you know? And he drove off. It was just really just, I don't know. It was just one of those moments that was really odd to me, you know? I was <laughs> out there, like, I'm out there every single day. But, yeah, he would come, uh, at, or their little sunset cruise, that same little routine. And then he would start waving to me after, after that first time. Yeah, and that sea blaster for the people who aren't in Destin is... They did accurately describe it as massive. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at it, but at it from the front of, of of a by water level, I mean those gunnels come up mm -hmm. like ten feet in the front. I mean that thing yeah. is just high out mm -hmm. of the water, and the captain's sitting in a chair that's a little bit further back of the deck, so he can't really see what's in front of him. At least not somebody that's so. on a kayak. Yeah, I wouldn't think he could see. I I think. That is a sports fish hole. It, what it looks it like looks it. just a, like it. We might need to convert it. Yeah. <laughs> Do a little deck work. I mean he was he was fueling up at the co-op the other day and he was like next to one of the like nicer Vikings and it looked very similar. Similar, yeah. 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 It just you know, decked out differently, obviously, but for sure. Might might be an old GNS hole for yeah, it could be. Yeah. Someone gotta go check that out. <laughs> and so, and so at this time when you're running these uh, kayak charters, what was the charter service like on the harbor itself? The what now? The charter service on the harbor itself. Like what were they still boats that were running out of the co op? Is it the same as it was yes. today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the same. There was um obviously a lot less boats. Um when I did finally get out of kayaks and got into bay fishing, um, I remember I was one of probably 10 other center consoles. And that's conservative. There might have been less than that. And I can name all the guys, you know, <clears throat> that, that are still career fishermen today that, that are still running out of center consoles. But um, I think one inshore angler with, with Daniel Pike was was there they're no longer there but i think everybody else um and now you know there's i don't know how many center console businesses it's got to be over 50 it has to be you know yeah. charter guys but um 
the harbor's completely full. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like that when I first started. Yeah, the center console guys aren't even picking up in the harbor anymore. They're mm-hmm. picking up Fort Walton. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere they can. Yep. Anywhere they can get the opportunity to. Yep, exactly. And that makes for a longer day for them. I couldn't imagine having to backtrack. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> backtrack when you see your house. But... I know. I know. I wish they would figure the, the harbor out. Um, and I know that it, everything happens so quickly mm-hmm. that uh, the infrastructure is just, it, it, it is what it is. There's only so many parking places. Um, and and it, it's not designed to hold that many people, you know, and that much traffic. But um, but we we're there and we like it there. It's essentially located right by the pass. It's what eight minutes to the <laughs> right if that it, yeah. you know it's right there. Something that's really interesting that nobody really ever hits on. Do y'all ever think about like like we have it made? Like we get out to the Gulf of Mexico and the bait is waiting on us. No, <laughs> yeah, nowhere else way. is like that. <laughs> nobody ever talks about that. Like, oh, you want herring? Yeah, we got those. Cigar minnows, yeah. pinfish, hardtails. Like, I mean, you push, you push west a little bit. You go over to yeah, Orange Beach. They don't have that. You can't find that. No. I mean, yeah, it makes a huge difference, huge especially difference. when you're talking about tuna fishing and mm-hmm. doing that stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember going uh, out of Orange Beach with some friends of mine. That's actually where my family used to vacation. Okay, same before, with us, yeah. Before we moved to Destin, and uh, we we didn't have bait. We didn't have live bait. That just wasn't something that was normal on the mm-hmm. charter boat. I would say the mate would take a 10, 12-foot net. He'd throw it in you know, one section of the marina just to see if there was some uh, grunts or some pinfish or something mm-hmm. hanging out there. And if there weren't any, you know, we had dead bait. That's mm-hmm. pretty much the idea. And like now that I do um, a lot more blue water fishing, you can go black out a live well mm-hmm. just outside the pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have it made we do. when it comes to bait. For sure. We do, yeah. Yeah, I, I bought uh, what's now called the Hunger Run. My boat, I, I bought it. It was a charter boat. And, out of Orange Beach for uh, 15 years, and when I one of the first things I said was, well, "Where's the live well?" He's like, "We don't, we don't, we don't use slide bait over here, man." I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" <laughs> that's like, incredible. but we do. We have, and it's not like we have live bait that's like convenient. It's literally right there, the <laughs> right like, there on the way like out. God was like, "Not only am I give you guys live bait, but I'm gonna put it right here in your backyard yeah. to make things really easy on y'all." Yeah, yeah. set a pinfish trap, get as many yeah. pinfish as you want before yeah. you even get to the boat. Yeah, and yeah, go from there. And I remember uh, as you pull out. I mean, it depends on what kind of fishing you want to go do. But for us, we were always looking for the cigar minnow, mm-hmm. and you know a less than a palm of your hand size hardtail mm-hmm. and we were out there i think it was two weeks ago and you had as many as you mm-hmm. wanted yeah and, and then if you if there's not as many as you wanted you'd be a bait boat yeah multiple yeah. <laughs> multiple yeah i see travis uh-huh. or someone yeah they'll hook you up you, you literally you know i mean you throw the guy 40 bucks and if you're going on a day trip god and bottom fishing you probably have enough bait there, assuming that you're with some somebody who can hook a fish. Right. And he just fills your live well up. Uh, yeah. You put some money in the net and you hand it to him, and uh, you didn't even have to work for it. And I, I love the days I don't have to take the shibikis oh, out. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's and awesome. It's nice to have a variety of baits, but 
playing with those sabikis, like I can't imagine being on the assembly line. Like somebody's got to have some little bitty hands, you know, <laughs> making those things. They they got a machine doing something. <laughs> yeah, something sure. got to be. Yeah, and we uh, we always like to go catch the hardtails, and then we run out to the pad, and because we're doing a bunch of bait bombs, like we take ten baits, we put them in a bucket, and we put two on a hook, mm-hmm. and we dump the bucket over, and then we. Like the hooks are in free spool with the clicker off, mm-hmm. and they're going back, and you know you're just letting them drift with the the free swimmer, and mm-hmm. typically at the pads the fish will come right up to them. But Destin probably maybe Pensacola a little bit and Panama City Beach, but it's one of the only places that you have that much bait to yeah. where you can literally throw them. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it really is incredible, and I feel like. Nobody really, it's just really slept on, you know, you know, like uh, the massive amount of bait and, and it's so sustainable. I mean, it's just always there yeah. like every no. morning, you know. No, don't. Go southeast, find a speedo every once in a while too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you, something. All kinds of crazy stuff shows up sometimes. Live squid. For sure. <laughs> For sure. We. I remember after the oil spill, uh, the squids got pushed in the harbor real bad, and me and my dad went back on the bunch of squid big squid jigs yeah. right off the back dock, and yeah. sat there with a five gallon bucket. And That's so cool. <laughs> filled up a five gallon bucket and had fried calamari. That's <laughs> right so on. freaking cool, man. Oil spill calamari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know something that's uh, super interesting about Destin too is that. We have like super clear water, mm-hmm. and when I went to college, I was in. Uh, outside of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we would run the boat onto the beach, and you could probably net pogies, like, no tomorrow. I mean, you would you'd throw that one net one time, mm-hmm. it would sink over the bait, you'd pull them in, you'd have a whole live well full, but here, it's like, you know, you, you look at a guy that has a net, and you just say, hey, ha watch this guy. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't see it often, but when you do, it's it's worth seeing, it's worth watching, you know? <laughs> It just doesn't work because I, I think, I guess our water's just too clean. I mean, I'm not a, you know, a, a professional when it comes to catching bait by any means, but from talking to uh, the guys that do it professionally, Steve with, with, with Channel 80, you know, they have to blind those baits with sand or, or, or a mixture of, of sand, I think, is with the, in a big net. In a heavy net, too, I <laughs> mean, mm-hmm. what do you think, a weight 50 pounds? It has to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're... Netting them, it has to be at least twenty feet. Yeah, when they're yeah, doing that's it true. Off yeah, off the beach. Mm-hmm, that's Anywhere true. From ten to twenty, at least. Yeah. You see them like coming down to, with probably bait in the boat, and they 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 go a little further down the beach because there's so much boat traffic coming mm-hmm. in and out of the Destin Harbor. Those guys that like buy or like you can that sell the baits are sitting out there at that at three a.m. Mm-hmm. They're starting to chum them up. And I can vividly remember a time that we ran through the chum slip. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that wasn't, uh, and uh, if you guys are listening to this, I apologize. That was, I think that was, that was like 18-year-old me. I really did no idea what was happening. But um, it's, uh, it, it takes a, an effort to get those baits to come in, and then you throw the net around them. And sure. But it's it's a skill. It definitely is a skill. Yeah, those guys work their tail off, for, for sure. They they provide a much needed service uh-huh. on the harbor too. Definitely. So, yeah. And Preston, so as you 
you've transferred or uh, I, I guess you've gone from the kayak fishing and now you have a fleet of boats. So what, what was the difference like? I'm sure you learned a lot from kayak fishing. Mm-hmm. And then as you got on the boat, a lot of those skills transferred over. But what, what do you have to figure out? Well, <clears throat> there's just so much water. You know, I went from going to one spot every day and really trying to fine tune my my fishing skill sets there. But I was real limited. You know, it's on a kayak, you only go so far. The biggest challenge has been just getting to know uh, the this massive gulf. The gulf is just crazy. I mean, it's got awesome live bottom. It's got an area called the timber holes, which is a petrified forest. Um, it's got crazy different reliefs, sandy bottom to limestone to all, all different things. And, and it changed the fishery changes, you know, within 20 miles, it can really change. That's been my biggest challenge, you know, is, or from transitioning from a kayak to a center console, which was going very, very slow to going very, very fast to now going back pretty slow again, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I went from doing about two knots to doing 30 knots, and now I'm doing about 15. So <laughs> I like the 15. And, and what's, if you're going out the pass, what's your mindset when you start to set trips up? I mean, mm-hmm. in the summer, do you have a, a routine every single summer that you kind of go through of like, hey, I start my season out over here, and yeah. I work my way across to golf? What does that look like for a charter captain? So that's a really good question, actually, because – you know, you definitely get into like this this zone where you start with what worked last year and then you go from there. You know, and it does change. I mean, we we make our own reefs for the, for let's just take red snapper fishing for example. Um, you know, we have a lot of red snappers. Everybody knows that, but um, they do get pressured very hard very quickly. So we made our own reefs out of chicken coops, which is a normal thing to do. And the county comes out and, and permits them well. You just got to be very careful about overfishing a spot. You know, a typical pair of chicken coops is going to hold somewhere between 60 and 100 legal red snappers. And uh, you don't want to take them all with you, you know, within the first week of snapper season. So, yeah, you have to pace yourself, you know, and it all depends on the customer, too. We we have a pretty detailed uh, briefing in the morning where I get to know my customers, uh, I can find out real quickly if it's their first time, if, if they're seasoned, you know, world travelers, world traveling fishermen, where I might go further than I normally would with um, a, a young family. Um, and there's days where, yeah, we're going to go get our snappers quickly and we're going to move on to something else. Um, and those days, yeah, you want to be able to have a good spot in your back pocket. And, yeah, we, we save uh try to save certain areas for the longer trips and for the repeat customers. Um, everybody's going to get a really, really good experience, but we want to make sure that we, you know, do it the correct way. And so you'll have a, a zone. I would say, what, what would a zone look like for, for you? Would it be probably a 10 mile square, a 10 mile circle area that you tend to like stick to as you find out where the fish are that season? Yeah, so um, it works out real well at the beginning of the season when, when there's basically just mingos in season. You know, we'll use that opportunity to toss down a slip lead. And so, like, you're you're watching 
the this red snapper harvests throughout the mango season you're not necessarily targeting red snappers because you don't want to but yeah you know you're having a bait down and you're you're noticing trends like okay there's there's eight to ten pound grade of fish to the southeast in this area but it's also eaten up with trigger fish okay to the south is loaded up with a lot of juvie jacks but they're cookie cutter snappers so you know in a month it's that's a good starting point it does change um but that would be a good like okay southeast has got bigger fish over here's got you know amberjacks if somebody wants to catch an amberjack on top water for example and then i have a fallback on snappers are just not as big and I'll, I'll i'll ask my customers i'll straight up tell them you know yesterday this is what we caught here uh, I do know we can go over here and probably catch some amberjack on top water, but they're not in season. So like y'all need to, you know, help me steer me in the right direction. And I'll take you there. But this is what we've seen over the past few days. You know, I'm really transparent that way with, with my customers. That's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm sure that makes it much easier on you. I mean, yeah. if, if you know that they're going to be satisfied, more satisfied by going to catch a jack on a top water than mm-hmm. catching you know your 16 18 inch snapper exactly then go ahead and put them on something that'll pull exactly i mean we're we're all in the business and swords in the same business of creating happy customers that want to come back that's that's all i care about you know uh so adapting to every customer has a different uh cadence and a different pace you know they may not even want to catch that many fish dolphins might be their thing but i need to know that you know (laughs) like before we leave it, am I going to burn five gallons of fuel today or am yeah. I going to burn 105? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I can see the, uh, it's always about setting that expectation at the beginning of the mm-hmm. trip. And I even remember when I went fishing with you this summer and you sat down and you said, Hey, like we're going to go target the deep water species, which is what we wanted. And I would say, I was with some people who wanted meat in the boat too. And we were thinking like, all right, are we going to get red snapper today as well? And you're like, Hey, it's probably not the right move because snappers are all in a different mm-hmm. I area. remember that too, yep. And so we were, like, our expectations were set well ahead of the trip. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something to, to admire about what you, the establishment and the company that you've set up is awesome to sit down and say, I just want to be totally transparent, totally honest, because I know there's charter captains out there who, We'll just take people to take people because mm-hmm. they're just looking for a buck and they have no idea what their customer wants. Yeah, exactly. And I, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's, you know, that's just the difference between the, the uh, short nickel versus the long dollar. You know, I'm going to get it. We're all going to get paid today. But, uh, you know, I also want to get paid next year and the year after that, you know. So you want to treat your people like you would want to be treated, you know. If I go hire somebody to fish i want him to talk to me like he's like i'm a buddy you know like hey shoot me straight what do you want to do today how about that <laughs> sure if it was your charter you're the guy who's out here every day i don't know anything about this area you know what what do you want to do we did that in louisiana last year he's like man the trout's on fire <clears throat> and then the guy i was with was like well you know my son wants to catch a big red fish and he goes well trout's on fire you know like all right well let's, let's go do that you know <laughs> yeah for sure and uh you had to kind of pivot this away a little bit from a personal standpoint with you how how hard is charter season like how hard is it on your family mm-hmm. on your friendships because i mean you're up at 4 a.m every day you're probably going to sleep at eight mm-hmm. i mean that's got to be a 
you know, people see the glory side of it. Oh, you get to fish every day, but like, it's got to be a difficult three it's months. Very difficult, and that's a really good point that nobody, nobody sees. You know, it's it's, uh, you know, you're home, long past dinner. That's if the boat is working. You know, if the boat breaks, you might be midnight. You know, or, or later than that. Um, there's just there's so many moving parts. There's the boat's got to work. The tackle's got to work. The bait's got to work. The people got to show up. You know, the deckhand's got to be on point. The weather's got to cooperate. And then your people have to catch the fish. You know, sometimes they don't have it. You know, they're just not pullers. Um, but it is long days, man. It's, it, you know, you, I always joke with my wife. I'm like, you know, this time of year, actually, around Halloween, I'm like, oh, the, the kids have really grown this year, you know? Because <laughs> you just don't... Uh, you just don't, that's just the nature of the beast. You just don't get to spend that much time with, with your family. And But you start praying for, for rain, you know. You start praying for for weather after 20 days of doubles, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure when you get home, you're beat. And you know, your wife just sits there and's like, hey, like this is pressing busy season. Yeah. And I'm going to be fully supportive. And if I'm... Correct me if I'm wrong, but she kind of works with you. She does, yeah. She um, she books for uh, for Gulf Angler Charters, and then she also owns uh, her own charter business. So we're all in as a family. She she books for 40 boats in the fleet, and then uh, she also books us, and she does payroll and all that and some social media stuff. She's very busy. She uh, The phones in the charter industry, you'll often hear it, but the phones are one of the most difficult uh, parts of this business. I mean, they really are. I mean, the, the we call it the money phone. You know, the money phone might ring at 4 a.m. It might ring at 9 p.m. It might ring, it does ring in the middle of supper. It does ring in the middle of a movie and you just got to answer it. I mean, you just have to. And that conversation might be 20 seconds or 20 minutes, you know, you just don't know. And Hadley's gotten really good over the years uh again setting honest expectations uh you know we're not we're not selling uh something that's not going to happen uh, we know it's expensive but we have really nice uh well-trained captains and really nice boats and a really nice tackle and a really nice area and a really nice dock you know? yeah. <laughs> so like that's part of the why we're so expensive is everything else around us is expensive and fuels is expensive we don't want it to be expensive you know mm -hmm. I'd, I'd rather it be you know it, to where i can make the same amount of money i make now and not pass it on but we have to pass on our costs like any business you know yeah um we when we raise our rates we're not getting a raise mm -hmm. you know we're raising it only because of fuel or only because the slip went up that's the only reason we ever will raise our rates yeah <clears throat> And I'm sure the, uh, that back end of the charter business that nobody sees, like you said, the money phone, like that, that's a constant. I mean, how, what would you say in the summertime? How many phone calls is she fielding? Um, she gets 100 to 120 a day. And um, she has two phones. One's the Gulf Angler line and one's the Destin Fishing Charters line. And uh, it's literally two iPhones, you know, and it's just, she's just always, you know, and I'll... I'll help out where I can, but now I just get in the way, you know, and if, if somebody wants to book a trip, ultimately it has to go through her anyway, because uh, we give them an e-form and contract and stuff like that, but it's a lot, it is a lot, but, but the beauty of it is, is we get to turn it off um, 
whenever we want. Yeah, about yeah. nine, ten miles away from the past. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get to really turn it off. <laughs> Don't have service. Can't get me. <laughs> but uh, but like say for instance, we wanted to go scalloping. You know, we can we can we can turn it off, and that's that's okay. You know, like we we've agreed to to have our family time. We make family time whenever we can. Mm-hmm. Our kids are homeschooled. We bring them everywhere. You know, they've been on charters and. We've been scalloping and they're getting their schoolwork done. So, we're, you know, they totally get like, you know, the the business. Yeah. Will sure. you set like a, a, a automatic voicemail on those phones or, or will you have somebody cover? Because that, that has to be hard. You in, in a startup or in any small business, there's, there's really no time off. Like, well, how, how do you all set that? What, what's the procedure or when it's, you guys want to go on vacation, it's uh, we bring it with us. Unfortunately, we bring it with us, but we also we dedicate time towards it. Like say say you're you know uh, on vacation and you're at the pool. You know that'd be a time where you'd want to answer some calls. You're sitting out laying out. But if we're like you know going out to dinner or something, we'd cut it off. And and in the, and in the winter time, we really get to dial it back. Um, you know, we're open for business in the winter, but we're not like, we don't expect to make money in the winter. If that makes sense. Like if we're running any charters in the winter time, it just pays for the slip. Okay, I got That's you. how it's set up. Our budget runs from, uh, April until August. That's our, we have to make our money between April and August. Any other months aside from that is all bonus. Awesome. Yeah, it just kind of goes to like any slip, anything like mm-hmm. honestly in keeping your mates, you know, having a job, I, I guess there, there's a, mm, I guess, employee management side too, because mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot to get some good mates. It takes and, a lot. And to get some good captains. And yep. I, I'm sure you've seen many come through. Like, it, yep. if you had advice for somebody other than your typical, like, show up and work hard, like, how, how does someone become successful in this industry? Um, that's a good question. Um, you got to make sure it, you're passionate about it because it, it wears on you. And, and especially as a, a, uh, a captain on a center console or, or a deckhand that, you know, they're there an hour, two hours before the people get there and an hour to two hours after long days. Um, but the good ones are making really good money. You know, the good ones are making solid money. And if you can get on a, um, with a business that has a good business where they're running consistently, where you don't even have to question that, yeah, you're going to be working the next day. You don't, even, you don't even need a calendar. You know, you're just going to show up. Um, those guys that understand that and are willing to put in the long hours um, are the guys that usually make it. And, and also self-discipline. Like, you know, you got to think, these guys are getting a grand or more a day and a lot of times it's in cash and a lot of times they're younger guys um you can be uh a pretty wealthy 19 year old by the end of you know three weeks even you know you can really make some money you got to have the discipline to save it you know and that i lost a guy a few years ago because of that he couldn't he he couldn't figure out how to save his money in the winter time and he was like i'm just not making the money i thought i was and i was like we do your payroll and you know, you made $80,000 in five months. That's, it's pretty good. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money in a short amount of time, 
but if it's it's tough, you know, because like you're gonna you're gonna eat in Destin when you're working in Destin, which is not cheap, you know. Yeah. Um, and it just it's in such a short amount of time that it's and and even with me, like like I'm very I hold to my budget, you know, like we we budget out everything over over the course of the year and with kids it's tough um but you're saving up as a business owner we're saving up for problems that haven't happened yet like an engine blowing up like you have to know that that's a strong possibility you know that mm-hmm. that could happen any day yeah and as a you know as a 19 year old getting eighty thousand dollars i can imagine is uh it's almost a thicker shock and mm-hmm. you you're in a, a mental battle mm-hmm. to save this money when you also, you probably see your friends who are in college mm-hmm. who are having fun. Maybe their parents bought them a, a nice boat or, mm-hmm. or something. And, and, and that's got to be difficult because they want the nice thing, but they realize like, hey, I need to be in this for the, the long run. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're wanting a career in this business... There's no better way to start than as a deckhand with, with a reputable, you know, like a career fisherman type company that they've been around. They're in it for the long haul. It's not some fly by night charter that's promising you the world. You know, there's, and I'll tell them, you know, this is how much money you can expect to make, but you can say goodbye to your girlfriend and mm-hmm. your parents for the next three months. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. And, and that's the whole other thing is like, is people understanding like, Man, I haven't seen Preston, and and does he still want to be buddies with me? I haven't seen him in three months, and I've had to literally in black and white lay out to some of my buddies. I'm like, guys, I'm not going out to eat with you on a Friday night. I'm sorry I can't go to the crawfish boil. Like, you know, just this is my time to make my money and just respect that, you know. Like, I still love you. (laughs) but And customers that that have grown to be really close with. In fact, I ate with with Coors and Shelly last night. that you just you they become like family you know and you expect them to come every year and then they start like you know wanting you to come out to eat you know and you have to say no you just have to you just have to say guys it's just i get about an hour with my family at night and then i'm going to bed i'm right back here in the morning you know yeah and i i I can say we can probably relate to that here at sword in, in a little tiny way because our summers are mm-hmm. extremely busy and we're traveling a lot and we're, we're gone many days and I, I would even say this year like I got back from a whole month long gone and one of my biggest problems I felt like like I didn't know who my friends were mm-hmm. and, and it's not that they disappeared it wasn't that they didn't text me they didn't call me like I was pretty like I'm I was depressed. I was going through a really rough time because you get back into the swing of like, hey, look, my friend didn't go anywhere. And honestly, and they they understand that. They mm-hmm. they respect that I'm grinding through a whole summer instead of, uh, you know, abandoning you. And you just say, hey, like, but most of them, I pick it right back up. Yeah, your good friends understand. But I, I've always told, you know, living by the motto, you have to live like nobody else in order to live like nobody else. You, you have to really bust it and grind it and live, you know, a different life for a little bit, get your business going so that eventually you can live like nobody else can, you know, like you will set up that foundation early. 
but it does take your time away and that's your you know it is what it is you know they, they can hate if they want <laughs> yeah that's true my dad always had a similar saying it was uh do the things that people don't want to do so that you can have the people uh, have the things that people won't ever have yeah because a lot of times in this thing is I, I mean i hear you talking about you know an engine blowing or something and you don't want to have to take care of that but the fact is like you're gonna take care of mm-hmm. it because you, you got to work harder than a 99 percent of the average american yeah. like and you, there's no there's no downtime mm-hmm. and you're making your money in such a quick amount of time that like hey here's what i want to do with my life here's my long-term goal and if i want to hit that these are the three months that I'm going to sacrifice or here's a yep. six months that I'm going to sacrifice mm-hmm. to reach that goal. Yep. Hard work, man. It's, it's just, it's the best way. There's no, there's no magic uh, pill or no magic book. Mm-hmm. It's just hard work. That's all it is. Yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, we're getting up on the uh, 50 something minute mark, but I just wanted to ask the impression with Sherry, you know, if people are looking to go on a charter out of Destin, what can they expect with you? And, uh, or honestly, with one of your captains, I've met all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are awesome people. Yeah, what, what, they are, man. What, what can they expect? You know, how can they find you? Um, well, the best way to get us is, is old school text or phone, um, but it's destinfishingcharters.biz or destinfishingcharters.net is, is our websites. Uh, what they can expect is, um, you know, we're a service-forward business. We're service um, long before we're fishermen. We're service guys. Um, we want to make sure that everybody has a good time and that we're creating positive memories in a positive environment. And we will um, certainly try and, and adapt to anybody's fishing methods, you know, within reason. But we want to make sure everybody has a good time from light tackle Snapper fishing to topwater AJs uh, to chumming up mangroves, uh, even trolling. You know, we'll we'll try and, and do whatever the customer wants to do within reason. Yeah, and I I remember I reached out to Preston this past summer, and I I really wanted to go catch some uh, some deep water groupers with some friends of mine because mm-hmm. it's something people don't get a chance to do much. Mm-hmm. And and Preston said, yeah, you know what, let's let's go scout some spots, and he and he made it happen. We had a freaking yeah, load that was fun man <laughs> man going back to that trip a little off subject man but that snowy grouper is fine like it is so freaking good that was a stud man. i mean but they, they taste they taste stuff. so good and uh and my little eight-year-old girl uh was like i remember her saying at dinner time she was like this is my new favorite triggerfish was always her favorite and then she was like this is my favorite it is so good those deep cold water slow moving groupers yeah and i always love the fact that you can just get that thick white mm-hmm. meat and uh and be able i mean good in a variety of ways oh and yeah most people oh, yeah. have never had it before and i i think my regret i was like i i wanted to just give a bag to everybody that walked by because i'm like this is the best fish you're ever gonna take yeah man so freaking good and do you do you do those trips a lot? Is that a norm, or is or is it more of a the special customer special special customer for sure? I mean, and also again, it's it's one of those things. Usually, people that go on those trips have done the offshore trolling, they've done the amberjack thing, they've grouper fished and snapper fished, and they're looking for something different because you're using electric reels. And you know, a lot of people are like that. There's no way that's any fun. Well, 
It's a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're still, there's a lot to it still. I mean, sure. it's not just like they're hopping in the boat, but you know, you're not going to reel up five pounds of lead and 700 foot of water, you know, check your bait. You're just not going to, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think that's what turns people off, but the people that have gone with me and been successful love it. You know, they're like, Oh wow, man, this is, this is cool. This is a great way to go grocery shopping, you know? Yeah. And it, you, you can just enjoy your beer mm-hmm. and you're, you're having a blast with your buddies. Like I, on, on a snapper trip or, a, you know, an intro, a group trip, it's fun don't get me wrong but there's nothing like you know you're being in 700 feet you got some time you know the weight's going down you're paying attention you're mm-hmm. you're really at peace yeah, oh yeah it's way more slow paced there's four guys sitting on the cooler drinking a beer you're straddling the gunnel probably drinking a beer too two rods are down there you know and you, all you hear is electric motors checking baits and it's just a different deal but it's fun I mean but that fishery is not sustainable for everyday fishing. Like for instance, those places that we went and scouted, um, I wouldn't want to go back there more than once, probably um, a season. You know, I just, that they're a slow growing, that whole ecosystem is a slow growing ecosystem. Yeah, you have to farm those fish exactly. a lot more. Yep, exactly. You're, sure. You gotta babysit, you know, take care of, of those types of fish. And, uh, I was online and uh, the, the deep water grouper species, it takes four to six years for them to even reach sexual maturity. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a 20 inch fish. Wow, really? So, and, and to think about it, like we, catch a, a good bit i would say it's like half or under 20 inches half or over 20 mm-hmm. inches but that that's tough like that, yeah you're, you're, you're talking about four to six years to reach maturity to even reproduce which wow is, i didn't i didn't know the the 20 inch thing that's crazy so you would wow. think you think about hitting these spots and I, i've had times where you know we had a we had a scamp spot it was in deeper water about 300 feet and we caught a bunch of scamps off it the first time i went back a year later and all we could catch were like white snapper yeah isn't that crazy <clears throat> the white snappers are usually uh it's funny because when you when you deep drop you'll typically catch snowies yellow edge and then you'll catch a white snapper and usually that's the end of the grouper bite so next time that happens it's very interesting how that happens, but like the big war pogies, the big white snappers, like all of a sudden you'll start catching those and then no more groupers. It's like they get fired up or something. Yeah. But those, uh, yeah, those, the, the groupers, you know, you catch a, a small one, it's not going to go back down, you know, yeah. so he's dead, you know, yeah. like you're going <laughs> to, out of 700 foot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his, his eyeballs are, you know, six inches outside of his head. Yeah. Point. Well, Twitch is a bummer, but obviously it, te- it keeps a, to be more respectable. And I, mm-hmm. I've never met someone more respectable than you out on the water. Did you were immediately first said like, hey, I don't want to hit any of my normal spots. I would really love to go explore. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that exploring. Like when you're in that deeper water, obviously transducers have gotten a lot better. Yeah. Uh, w- what transducer do you have on your boat? Um, it is uh, a big one. Yeah, it's a big old 3K? <laughs> I don't think it's 3K. Okay. I, I, I think it's, uh, I actually think it's a 2K, I think. Gotcha. Old ammo box looking almost. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I'd be lying if I told you the specs of it. I know that um, 
it is not a shoot through. It's a it's an actual in hole. Yeah, okay. uh, in hole transducer. It's a good transducer. I can read uh, in seven hundred feet. I can read perfect. crystal clear. Yeah. yeah, even when I'm moving, um, I can I can pick up bottom too. I got you. But what you're looking for out there is picture picture that you're lost out in this massive desert, and it's yep. just you, and you got no cell phone, and off in the distance you see the tiniest little bush. Where are you going? To that bush. To that bush. <laughs> and the gulf is no different. It's yeah. just a desert down there. White sand. I mean, we have limestone and stuff. But those fish are no different. They're going to go make their home into the little blip on your It's just going to be screen. that tiny little rocker. Yep. Whatever it might be. I mean, it could be, you're looking at 700 feet stretched out. So that little blip might be 50 feet tall, you yeah. know? And it might be, you know, a natural spring below it or something. You just yeah. don't know, but... But that's all it takes out there um, for the for those groupers. It's gotcha. just a little something. Has has anyone ever tried putting like an artificial reef set for? Is that not? I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. And uh, actually, I've been. I was talking to. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Judah Barbie on the Stalona, but I was talking to him earlier this this season about us uh, splitting a load of chicken coops and going out to like not quite that deep, but like four or five hundred. Uh-huh. And uh and getting the big scamps. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of guys over in the Alabama area going out of Dolphin Island and just absolutely killing those big big yeah. twenty pound scamps and something that Man, I I'm not a good scamp fisherman and uh I just can't figure it out. And I know it's all about where they are. And I've and I I've I've stumbled across like a good scamp catch before. Mm-hmm. But I cannot like say all right, guys, tomorrow we're going to load up and we're going to fill this boat with scamps. I just can't do it. You know, I just, I want to be able to do it, but I know that I just don't have that much time and that depth of water, you know, because yeah. you're, that depth is a weird, weird depth, you know, like, no, what no. are you doing out there? You catch, <laughs> yeah. Catching snappers occasionally, maybe like gags, maybe. It's that in between. It's just that in between so depth. Yeah. Like, you know, not triggers, but definitely mingos, you know. So I don't know. Like, I just haven't, um, I admire those guys that, that whack those scamps like they do those big ones, you yeah, know. It's impressive. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. And out of Alabama, they've got more water that is uh, that odd range. Because yeah. between Orange Beach and the Shell is 60 miles, maybe, maybe somewhere between 40 to 60 miles, where between Destin and the Shell, where our deep water really began is probably twenty two to twenty six. If you really like go, yeah. you know, past three hundred to yeah. four hundred to five hundred. Yeah, that's true. So then they've got a lot of like really you know rocky bottom Big over there. Big coral way. heads over there too. For sure, they got some really cool stuff. Alabama's weird. I mean, look, there's this much land on a map, you know, and a half inch on a map of land, <laughs> and they've got the most artificial reef systems in the world yeah in the world think about that what it's incredible 80 miles of coastline florida's got how, how many thousands <laughs> yeah. and they've got the most so <laughs> yeah. like that's crazy yeah it's it's really impressive and then i've also heard about guys catching baits off of them steven mentioned that catching baits on them off the off of shipping containers and stuff oh, really? going into the into the port huh yeah. interesting catching nice hardtails and huh. stuff like that off of them so that's interesting i've seen guys cobia fishing off those yeah they stack up on them huh. so. but they, they've got a good fishery over there for bottom fishing oh yeah. yeah i know all of our, all of my fishing for scamps have always been in the probably 280s where it started mm-hmm. and then like 
the high, I mean, the low, 400 was probably the max, but mm-hmm. we only caught a handful. But that three to 400 range, you're like, what am I going to do here? You're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're looking for a bunch of little, I call it like confetti. Yeah. I just look for tiny confetti on the bottom and then I just drop down and we if you're catching them, you're catching them. If mm-hmm. you're not catching them, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you just got to move on. It takes a lot of time and effort to get them. I will say, I've, I've had a little bit of a strange year with bottom fishing, with stuff pushing in close. Like, we were, we, we had a spot down to the east, and, and we pulled five, six scamps off of it, and it was in 80 foot of water. Oh, really? So it's like, yeah, I mean, there aren't any fences. Keepers? Yeah, keepers, yeah. yeah. We, we caught a bunch of short ones this year. We released a, we released a few shorts over there, but yeah. ended up ended up keeping a few off of it. That's so cool. And then uh, caught a little uh, snowy in about 100 Are foot of serious? water, too. Yep. Really? Yeah, a little, I mean, he probably 10, 12 inches. Huh. Real small, but. Interesting. Perfect little white dots on them. It was a wow. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, there's the saltwater man. There's just I mean the amount of species you can catch on accident. It's incredible. That's what keeps people like (laughs) so addicted to saltwater fishing. You can go out there and you know like what'd you catch today? You don't even have to have a a, an agenda. You just go. We're going fishing. Like bring a couple rods we're probably yeah. gonna catch like 15 different types of fish you know <laughs> true that true that <laughs> groupers on the troll Anything. yeah i saw that, saw that one. insane yeah. big old copper belly that was the biggest grouper i've caught in a long time for sure that's freaking awesome that man hell of a on fish. the troll like that is crazy <laughs> yeah it's just not i mean what is he doing up there like, yeah like that's what i want to know yeah you know like that's Maybe we makes you wonder. <laughs> makes you so wonder. atypical, and where you guys were is like Shark Alley. You yeah. Know? So like, and then he didn't he get sharked on the way up. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. And I think we ended up catching a few few jacks right in that similar area too. So I might want to go back and bottom fish that. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was like a ledge off the ledge. So like, if you're really paying attention, oh, I don't know, eighty percent of the guys, maybe ninety percent of the guys, fish the ledge. Mm-hmm. But you gotta really pay attention to where are the ledges off of the ledge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And and, and people like like to fish that valley, and you would think that there would be fish just Crazy. in that valley, and they're not. They're up on the on the walls and the edges there, and and that's that's where they're feeding. You know, the bait isn't in isn't down there. Yeah. For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah, and then I I did see uh, you're real active on uh, the whole truth. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've, I've been keeping up with you on the whole truth. It's great that you're putting out those posts. I mean, it yeah. helps helps guide guys out. I like the whole truth a lot, man. I, I mean, you can get questions answered about a medical emergency, <laughs> yeah, to how to build a boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a it's an amazing place, but you do a great job. On I appreciate there, it. Yeah, especially, especially with. Stuff like the deep water. I was reading your deep water group and grouper article. Yeah, perfect little side tips, and I take those, cool. those into note when I go out for cool, sure. Cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm glad somebody's seeing it that that uh, respects it. Yeah, going to probably use it. You know, for sure. And 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 to go off uh, before I know we probably got to wrap it up, but uh, y'all's uh, product, man, is is been sweet for us because you guys y'all y'all take y'all do it like it should be done with anything with salt water like you you know try and break it like we want to take it to its fail point because a saltwater fisherman is gonna find every weak spot especially as a guy charter fishing every single day like whether it's a rod and reel or 
the guides on the rod or, you know, a diesel engine or a pump, like, like the charter fishermen are going to find out what's going to work over time. And, uh, most of your charter guys are going to be in the mentality where they're going to buy once, cry once, buy the nice things where it's going to last. And swords doing that with, with y'all's knives and y'all's titanium pliers and like taking it to where boots on the ground, like we're going to put these in the hands of people that could potentially destroy it, you know, which is the way it should be. But it, I, we love that, that you guys are doing that. Yeah, and it, uh, for us, really, I love going down to the harbor and, and talking to guys. And, it, and it's taken three years, four years. I would say, I would say y'all's guys are the first guys that we have truly connected with down on the harbor. And that that's where you, you, know, you got to find an entrance to guys who are, who are willing to try something different. Mm-hmm who are willing to kind of go a little bit out of the way because charter guys tend to like what they like, mm-hmm. you know, but, and it takes a while to get them to do, to, to get something new, but I, I'm stoked. I mean, I, I think the products have held up well enough and if they do break, like we'll fix it. Like there, yeah. there's a phone number on the website. It's either my number, it's Joe's number or it's Connor's number. That's super cool. Just, just call one of us. Like we'll make it right. And that, and uh, we, we want you to be successful. We want you to be in love with the product, yep. no matter what it takes for us to do that. Well, and that's that's the key to any successful business is, is you want it to last a long time and work like it should, you know. And we I don't know how many thousands of fish we've cleaned with y'all's knives and we haven't had a, a chip or anything. I mean, they just keep, keep on trucking, you know. And we sharpen them every day, um, which we sharpen all of our knives every day or, you know, the, the knives we used to have. Um, but yeah, we, we just, we have a workshop sharpener right there on the boat. It's every morning it's open and all the, actually the whole, all the guys on the dock come and they all sharpen their knives and it's like a, a sword fest in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love to hear that. Yeah. I know the, the guys on the harbor, like if you, if you booked a trip with Preston, like I can personally attest that every single one of those guys that work for Preston is a grade, a top of the line, just a good person yeah they are um, they make me look good <laughs> he doesn't yeah he doesn't hire any um people who are mean or he doesn't hire any guys who you know think too highly of themselves but I, I would say that's that's incredible for yeah. you to do i appreciate that yeah that's it's like i said they 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 are awesome they make me look good but they're like family to us you know like y'all's crew you know mm-hmm. for sure you know just it's just you look forward to going to work it's not it's not a drag you know for sure but Steve, I got one more question to it in yeah, there. Go ahead. Preston, if you could just share like one day like that made you, it, it can be the best board that you ever put up, the best people you ever fished with, but something that made you go, man, I, this is why I charter fish. Um, yeah, I mean, I can go right to it. It was, it was the, uh, the, the day I took my daughter out for the first time. And it was just, I mean, I actually wrote a, a, an article about it because it was just so like, like, a profound day you know like she was she was like my dolphin spotter and 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 you know she was just absorbing everything and I got to see that what I've always wanted to see but didn't know I wanted to see it type deal and I became a passenger on my own boat you know yeah. that was definitely the, the best day that's awesome that's awesome yeah family family ties into oh, yeah. it deep with you no doubt, sure. man. No doubt. Yeah. Not about a fish. I know everybody wanted, you know, oh, tell me a fish story. You know, what's your best day? Like, man, it's 
just the day out there with my daughter it was, was definitely the, the best day. Me. We've had some cool fish days too, <laughs> some sure. funny days too, some crazy days. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know like personally for me, seeing other people catch fish, and I, I can't imagine what it's like to have your daughter on the boat, her seeing the experience that you get to see every day. Oh yeah, I love watching people catch fish, and mm-hmm. that that is probably one of my favorite things in the world. God. Especially first timers, you know, they're just there's just so much going on with everything. Like there's just like, oh my gosh, this giant beautiful fish that I get to keep and it tastes good. Like what's better than that, you know? And yeah. and you're out there with your family creating those memories. It's just there's nothing better. Yeah, for Some, sure. Something as simple as a mingo. Yeah. You know, it's the oh, prettiest yeah. thing in the world. Like the vibrant red, the yep. yellow fin. Mm-hmm. And Big old eyes. Yeah. You know, and it's just gorgeous. And mm-hmm. we take advantage of it all the time. But yeah. It's fun to slow down. I I, I joke with, with like my fishing buddies. I'm like, they're like, man, you don't ever like go to overnighters or anything. I'm like, well, my tr- my truck's paid for in Mingo Snapper, so <laughs> like, you know, I, I while I do like to go overnight, I don't. I'd like to sleep in my own bed most for nights, sure. be home with my family, you know, for sure. All right, guys. Well, we want to thank y'all for tuning in to the Where the Map Turned Blue podcast. Um, if you want to, go ahead and subscribe to our show. Uh, we're going to continue to put out more stories that are just like this one where we really like to know the back end of everything everybody sees the glory of the fish they see you know the big the fish boards that are loaded up but they don't see what the families are they don't see what the help takes for someone to get to where they're going and i think that's really important we'll continue to share these stories just like preston so thank thanks for coming on the show Preston. absolutely it's been a pleasure guys thank you all yeah we really appreciate it my pleasure